Uh, hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me today uh, again for another episode of the NHS 100K podcast with me, Matt Taylor. So uh, I do this every time and I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't guess the episode because uh, I'm here for everyone. But I think we're in the 30s, which is good. So coming up to, I think it was June we started. So coming up to the uh, one year Delta, which is awesome. Uh, so thank you all for your support. And um, hopefully we can continue bringing on some good guests and having decent chinwags. So today... I've got Alice with me, who's a paramedic. Now, she's my first exclusive paramedic, so I don't want to big her up too much because she's nervous. But um, but she's uh, she's been on the same sort of par with with things as I have I've been at the beginning. Um, and um, I've asked her on today because she's been a paramedic in various places and locations in the UK, and she's obviously now uh, it's not obvious at all. Um, she's now uh, progressed from. Um, being a paramedic to uh, to another avenue, uh, specialising basically, specialist paramedic. But I'll get Alice to talk more about that. But she's going to come on today, tell us her story, uh, and hopefully we'll just have a nice chinwag. So welcome to the show, Alice. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. So like I said to you off air, I think you're my first paramedic, apart from the um, NHS 100K girls that I had on last week, but that was for the NHS 100K. So technically you're my first first paramedic. Which is good. So you've got no shoes to fill. Yeah, all right. So it's, it's, a bit. Yeah, exactly. So so we've got no bar to set or anything like that. But so um obviously I gave you a little brief intro about what's um what, what where you're from and everything else. But um you started in the ambulance services as a technician first and worked your way up. So can you just tell me like briefly your kind of journey to where you are in, in your career of, of medicine, if you don't mind, please? Yeah, I started in 2002 as an ambulance technician and I was a technician for eight years and then progressed to paramedic through the graduate profession route. I've got a degree in paramedic science and I've been a paramedic now for 13 years. I've done various roles um, within the NHS and other places. So I've worked as um, on the mental health car, as a mentor, as a manager, and I've been part of the support group for the heart team. So I've got a fair bit of experience within the paramedic profession, I would say. Yeah, 100%. Busy, busy, busy. So, yes. <laughs> so when you went to, when you did your tech to para, so to give people some background, so there used to be two ways of, of well, there is still two ways, but it depends where, what trust you're in. Certain trusts now do a graduate scheme where they recruit you or employ you as a technician. You get trained as a technician by the, by the trust and then they'll pay for you to go to uni to do your your paramedic science degree, or as the it used to be the um, oh, what did it used to be? Come on, help me out, Alice. What did it used to be? ICD way. That was it, weren't it? Oh, yeah, the ICD, yeah, ICD yeah. way, where you get employed directly and you just get trained on the job, and then when you're ready, you do your exams in the trust, and then you'll be a paramedic. So well, that was a while ago. I know, old school, right? <laughs> old school, showing me age. Um, but um, so. You were a technician for eight years. That's a long time, really. Yeah. What made you then want to want to go into being a paramedic after eight years of watching paramedics mess up? <laughs> well, I, <think> that, <laughs> I enjoyed the, um, the, the watching their skills. You know, I saw some really good uh, life-saving techniques out on the road, and I just wanted a little bit more from the role, really, and wanted to develop myself. It was at the right time, so that's what pushed me forwards. There are some sexy skills in there as a paramedic. That's why everyone yeah. hates us. Well, I don't say everybody. Clinicians don't like us because we just kind of swan in. Hey, 
I'm a paramedic. <laughs> I've got exemptions to give pretty much any drug ever. <laughs> yeah, no, really. yeah. Nice attached to it, I suppose. Somewhere. Oh, <laughs> mate, honestly, sometimes people would walk in and I'd be like, I can't breathe properly because this massive head's in the room. Apart from mine, <laughs> no, 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 I wasn't that bad. But yeah, it, it's it's it does come with a bit of a god complex on certain people, doesn't it? I did notice that when I was um when I was a paramedic, it was yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, so you're paramedic now for thirteen years. Mm-hmm. Um, were you um, were you working frontline on the ambulances when all this um, all this sort of stuff started to come out? All started to happen, should I say? Yes, yeah, I was. Yeah. I was working part time as a paramedic and then part time mm-hmm. as a yoga teacher. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. All right, so <clears throat> I want to kind of cut to the chase a little bit with certain things, but. What was it for you that started getting you angry is the best way to, because everybody I've spoken to, who's, who's who, especially off, I, 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 sorry, I ask a question and then I digress and segue. Then I'll ask you six more questions. So don't worry, I'll come back and help you out. All right. But everybody I've been speaking to at the moment has been sort of talking about how angry they are um, because of the discrimination that we all were subjected to. Um, the mandate. Yeah. Yeah. For the mandate. Yeah. Um, but what people don't realize is it was happening way before then with the mask wearing, with the testing, with the jabs and all that kind of stuff. The mandate was like the crescendo of it all. People have been subjected to horrendous discrimination and bullying from the stuff I've been, um, I've been sent. Um, and there's a lot of angry people, man. I get a lot of emails from people saying thank you and that, but they're just really angry. So yeah. um, to give people a little bit of context of what it was like for those on the road, what was it you first started seeing? That, that kind of like, you know, did you start getting told about COVID first or did you start seeing symptoms of stuff that was out there that you weren't really sure what it was or did you see nothing initially at the beginning? Oh, well, initially I was in uh, Venice with my parents on a holiday when um, the world went into lockdown and I cut short that holiday because I didn't want to lose my job and we didn't know if we were going to get sort of marooned in Venice, which with hindsight maybe not would have been such a bad thing. Yeah. Um, so I came home early. We cut the holiday short. And then I went to work. You know, it was all coming out on the news that we were in this pandemic. The schools were closing. Everything was closing down. And um, I was quite frightened to begin with, to be honest with you, because um, – we were being sent out front line with um, a deadly pandemic. And um, it was a lot of pressure on us, really. We didn't want to bring that home to our families. And we had that fear for our own kind of safety. I mean, this was kind of like um, a life and death scenario as far as the media were concerned. Um, yeah. And then, then, then we had um, all of this issue with the PPE so we didn't have the correct PPE. I think there'd been a load of masks that had been binned because um, of the sell-by date on them or something or other. But we, we just were a little bit kind of fraught at that time. But, I mean, I, I worked with a bunch of really nice people and we all felt we had a duty to carry on with our jobs and, and help the, the public through this. And, and that's what we did. So I closed down my yoga business and went back to work more or less full time. Um, And then, I don't know, I started sort of like sharing some information with some friends and I've got a friend in New York and I said to her, you know, what's it like over there? And she was asking me what it was like over here. And the stories that we were seeing on the media weren't really 
matching up to what was actually going on at ground level. Um, having said that, we went to some really sick people out on the road. Um, they were dropping their sats. We couldn't maintain their saturation levels, sepsis-type symptoms. So I knew something was out there and something was going on. Um, but this information that was conflicting was carrying on as well. Um, things were just, they just weren't making sense. One thing that um, didn't make sense as well was when the Black Lives Matter movement came out. So we, we were in these strict lockdown conditions, but if you went out to protest um, in the cause of Black Lives Matter, that was okay. Um, and things like, you know, I was watching people in the pubs, they were um, sort of like uh, putting a mask on to walk into the pub. Um, and then when they sat down, they were taking it off. And it's just things were just going on that didn't really make much sense. And I was also getting hold of information from other places, um, alternative media that was talking about the survival rate of um, COVID-19, um, which was a little bit different to what the news was telling us. And then stuff was coming out about the PCR tests and the amount of revolutions to, to get a positive test. Um, things like ivermectin, hydrochloroquine, whatever you say, what's it called? Um, hydroxychloroquine. Yes. Yeah, hydroxychloroquine, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and these things were not... Um, a treatment within the treatment plan for people that were suffering with this um, this acute condition. So there was just a lot of conflicting information, really, from my part. And I wouldn't say I was getting angry. I was getting confused and frustrated, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, but when it really started to affect me was when we were going out to patients and I was shown the back of the ambulance and I knew that patient wasn't going to see their relatives again. You know, people weren't allowed to travel with the patient. They weren't allowed to go to hospital. The patient was really sick. And I was hearing stories of people um, saying goodbye to their nearest and dearest over the phone, you know, over FaceTime. And I just didn't know um, if I could continue with everything that was going on. Um, so I went on a holiday. Um, in October 2020 after working through up until that point. And the place where I went, Greece, went into lockdown, so I stayed there for a while. Um, because I, I felt like my life had fallen apart, to be honest with you. I, you know, my, my family unit was, um, I was the only person that had a different view to them, so that had all broken down. I was dealing with the issues at work. Um, I didn't like the patient care that was um, going on. I didn't agree with uh, the mainstream media. Um, I mean, my life was going to get worse on from then on, but that, that was quite a low point. So then when I came back and um, I started working again and um, the, the information was still conflicting that was coming out. We were going from variant to variant. The, the, the vaccine rollout was being really pushed onto people, you know, like you've got to get this vaccine. If you don't, you know, that there's gaslighting going on. You're going to kill granny. Children were the super spreaders. And it was just this 
what I could see, a divide and conquer thing going on, if I could use that word. Um, the society was getting split with um, differences of opinions and it was all being fueled by the media. Just I just didn't agree what was going on. So anyway, um, my father became really sick around that time and um, he had his second um, vaccine in April and he had idiopathic lung fibrosis, which is something that can progress quite quickly towards the end. But within six months, he went to a stair lift to home oxygen wheelchair and, and, he, and then he was gone. Um, and whether that had something to do with the vaccine that he had, we, we don't know. Don't know. But my cousin had contacted me around the same time to say that he'd got myocarditis, myocarditis from his, his vaccine and he was vaccine injured. Um, so the, there was stuff going on, which was kind of like, you know, at my front door here. So I really didn't want to go down the route of having the vaccine myself. And I had reservations about everybody that I cared for around me having it too. Um, and then the information came out about the carers um, about them, you know, have the jab or lose your job, that kind of thing. And I thought to myself, you know, there's this potential for this to filter to uh, frontline workers, which it did. So um, on the same day of my dad's funeral, I opened my mailbox for work and I have a letter to say, if you haven't had the vaccine before February, I think it was the 23rd, then, you, you know, we're going to terminate your employment. So Christmas came and went, and that was a bit of a blur. So in the January, I'd put a message into my work's WhatsApp group to say, hey, look, I've had this letter about the mandate. Has anybody else had one? And, and if you have, do you want to get in touch so we can have a little chat about this? And I didn't get any response from it. So that kind of implied that everybody else had had the vaccine or perhaps they were thinking about having it. Um, and then I had an email from work that said we had um, a Q&A session lined up for us to have the opportunity to ask the senior management team um, any questions that we had surrounding the mandate. And the email that we had in the CC section was a list of all the other people that the letter had gone to. Which it wasn't quite quite good from a privacy point of view, but it was great for me because then I had contact list of people that I could get in touch with to talk about what was going on. So I contacted quite a few people off this list that I already knew, um, and they got back in touch with me and they said, we can't believe what's happening, you know, this is awful, this kind of stuff. So I agreed to be the spokesperson in the Q&A session we came up with um, a list of questions that we put to the senior management team, uh, which were answered, but didn't really leave us any further forward with what was going on. Uh, they basically said that they were bound by government decision and there was nothing that they could do. So I continued with uh, not having the vaccine. And I know some people at that point had it to keep their jobs, which I understand because these people have got families, roofs to keep over their head, uh, food to put on the table. 
And then luckily for the ones that didn't have the vaccine, there was a U-turn on the mandate. Mm. And um, and that's kind of the, the story up to the to the mandate. Up to the present day. Yeah. So it's it's interesting. Every I've said this before, everybody's story seems to be kind of the same, you know? Yeah. And it just always starts with I just asked a couple of questions. Or I just started looking elsewhere for stuff because the information, if you wanted to find it, it wasn't easy to find, but it wasn't like, you know, hidden behind, you know, a firewall or anything. You could find it if you really wanted to. Mm. Um, the, the thing that I found interesting when I was trying to speak to my friends, because a similar situation as yourself, uh, is, is like, look, guys, we, we, we work in medicine. We, we, we study, we read articles, we read studies, you know, we, we, we follow guidance and guidelines and all that. Now, we're just blindly not going to follow any science or you're not going to read any journals. You're not going to look at any, anything, mm-hmm. anything, you know? So, uh, and you're just going to blindly go, well, the government has said that it's safe for you to do it. And, you, and, and, and I was just surprised mm-hmm. um, how quickly everybody just took it for granted that, that, you know, that it was yeah. okay. I didn't ask any questions and how um, not combative, but how, how quickly it would escalate into an argument with someone that the whole, yeah. the whole, the whole topic yeah so what caught so what when the in the q a set well i've got a couple of questions i want to go back to you first um we'll come back to this q a session but i want to i want to kind mm-hmm. of get to to the to the to the other stuff first so um i have this conversation so what i want to say to the covid deniers out there is everybody like myself and alice we went to patients that were dying of something so whether yeah. you think it was 5G, RF radio, whatever, there were patients that were dying because they couldn't mm-hmm. breathe. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what frustrates me as well. And I know a few people are going to probably, not many, but watching, oh, no, COVID's not real. What was killing people then? Because people were dying. Mm-hmm. Now, I know they were saying people weren't dying in, in the droves that they, they, they expected. That's fine. But when you've got people coming in with chest X-rays that are just completely white because it's all riddled with pneumonia and fluid and that, you know, we hadn't seen that before. Mm-hmm. Not that bad. So something was killing people. Mm. Um, what I want to ask you, when, when, how much COVID did you see frontline when it first started, basically? Mm, well, we didn't really, you know what it's like when you drop a patient off, you don't normally get to follow up those patients, but there mm. were a certain few that we went to um, that we just thought that that's probably it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um yeah, not not a massive amount to be fair. Okay, yeah, and that that was the same for me as well. Mm. In, the, in, the, in the first the first year, in the second year, mm. I, I started, and this is the thing: in the first year, I didn't see much. In the yeah. January, when they first started rolling out the jab, that's when yeah. I started seeing loads of poorly patients, like mm. loads of poorly patients. Um, were you seeing patients? You can help me with this. Did you, did you find it was more exacerbations of con- pre-existing conditions that patients were having trouble with? Like, say, their angina or their heart failure or their asthma or COPD was all right, and then all of a sudden, they just it, they just couldn't seem to get it under control. Yeah, and that and that's been the story from then on. There's more yeah. and more people like this. Mm-hmm. I started going out to people that were giving me a history and telling me that they were okay until they took that second or third jab. Mm-hmm. And I was handing those people over to the hospital staff as uh, having a reaction to the vaccine. And sometimes you could hear a pin drop in the room because this topic was verboten. Nobody could speak about it. 
But uh, my patient report forms are a reflection of what the patient tells me and, and I hand over accordingly and, and that's what I was doing. And people um, had had have had these episodes of collapsing. I've noticed mm. an increased uh, amount of people collapsing and then they've said to me I was okay until I took that, especially the ones that took the combined um, influenza with the, the booster one that that came out didn't it at some point yeah see i've not heard much but this is why i've been wanting to speak to someone like yourself because yeah. i don't care what anybody says and this is no disrespect to to any other clinicians but paramedics and district nurses are and carers are the only ones really that will see the patient in their actual you know home environment yeah uh, when they're at their worst when they're at the height of the symptoms you know doctors don't you know you know and not all nurses do D district nurses don't always but it's only because they go into the house to do you know meds or bandages or you know treatments for stuff that's going on that they'll phone but usually a para paramedic sorry mm. is the one that goes in there and sees it as it's happening yeah um, which is why i wanted to speak to you guys yeah lots of heart arrhythmias and i've seen a couple of pot syndrome which i had to kind of google and refresh yeah. on yeah yeah uh, similar things uh, well, well heart related problems yeah, and, and not young people, mm. not young people, not old people, rather, get that right. Yeah. 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 And, and has that been progressively getting, like, has that been progressively increasing since the rollout? Because I found in January when they first did the first rollout, because it wasn't available to the youngsters, it was the elderly that got mm -hmm. it first. I just saw elderly patients up until the spring. And then in mm -hmm. the spring and the summer, I was going to, 40, 50-year-old patients that were having problems yeah. breathing and I was having to admit them in the summer, which was, that was really strange because they were just having really bad mm -hmm. chest infections and the summer's usually, you know, a bit of a respite for mm -hmm. that. That's what I yeah. And they were saying, like you said, yeah. my chest is really bad and I normally can control it and I don't know what's going mm -hmm. on. Um, so so was it, um, has it been sort of, uh, well, basically, has it kind of progressively got worse since they started rolling it out to the under sort of 50s? Is, have you seen more cardiac problems since then? Or was it just since COVID started? Um, I, I'm not sure what this vaccine is doing to people's immune systems, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. We've got these cytokine storms and things that can get triggered. Um, it's a new health technology. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that don't understand the difference between the mRNA technology and uh, a traditional vaccine. Mm -hmm. and this is a new thing, and it, it's still in trial. I don't know whether the trial's finished. I know it was till 2023. Yeah. I think I it was March or May, weren't it? I think it's supposed to be finished. Sure. Mm. But, I mean, I can remember working with uh, a young paramedic that had just qualified and she told me she'd had two A&E attendances um, after her jabs because her heart rate was going up to like 180 and she was having palpitations, chest pain, shortness wow. of breath. And that really concerned me mm. because, I mean, it's all about risks versus benefits, isn't it, with yeah. healthcare? Mm. I, didn't, I didn't see any risks versus benefits going on. And then word was coming out of how survivable it actually was from, you know, the, the survival rate from COVID-19. And it just seemed like the risks from this new health technology was outweighing the benefits. Mm. Yeah. 
and we need to start having those conversations. And and this is this is the this is the thing that we we were the issue. We need to start having these conversations because the problem people don't realize is for when you're a paramedic, you are trying to consciously look for stuff. But uh, if it, 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 I found this. It's so difficult to prove that it was because of the vaccine, unless you have bloods and everything else. Because if they're going mm. in with exacerbations of pre-existing conditions, yeah, they can just turn around and say, "Well, it's their heart failure getting worse." And you're like, "I can't argue with that." But yeah. she's had heart failure for fifty years, literally fifty years, and it's been fine. Now all of a sudden, she can't shift the edema, and you know, and yeah, mm. and you're like, "If what I think for me, what it was is the lack of. Well, it weren't that. It's definitely not the vaccine. Okay, what is it then? Don't know. Well, mm. how do you know that it's that if you, you know you would have had to have looked into the vaccine to determine that it's not the vaccine for yeah. you to turn around and say that it's not that and i've always i was always told that you can't be as um generalized if that makes sense in your assessment oh it's not that mm. let me check no well it's like saying it's not broken well you got x-ray eyes you know you, you don't you have to have an x-ray to, to be sure so yeah. i was you know i was surprised at the lack of that you know talking about it and, and like you say it was just a forbidden a forbidden subject to to talk about but um all right then so well, we start... like an, an excess death right at the moment of three thousand people in in the uk each week i mean it, each week, yeah if, yeah if, if that's um if, if that's got any relation to this new health technology the public deserve to know that then there needs to be an inquiry here you know people yeah. really they deserve it you know they deserve to know uh with um transparency but real transparency not just a tick in the box transparency mm. we were never going to get everything right with the pandemic but the, the decisions that were made that were wrong were they um connected to um stakeholders and pharmaceutical industries or were, were they genuine mistakes i mean you know as well as i do advice mm. For, for them to for them to have done as many mistakes in lockstep mm. you know uh it's i mean you 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 can appreciate it i had friends working in a e that would like had the same problem as you with the ppe they were getting sent ppe with stickers over the sell-by dates with new sell-by dates yeah you know as if we didn't know um and the fact it said on the side of the box will not protect you against coronavirus literally mm. in the in the writing on the packets we were still made and this is what used to get me out mad it was the show it's like, you know, the masks don't work. It says on the packet, mm. it's not going to stop us getting it, but yet you still make us wear it. And if we don't yeah. wear it, we literally get in trouble, even though it says it won't work. Um, and I couldn't go along with it all. Well, there's so much evidence now about masks and how ineffective they are. Um, and people are still wearing them in the hospitals and we're still expected to use them. And I just feel like it's a bit of an insult to our intelligence, to be honest with you. So are you still... Are you, is your trust still recommending that you wear them? Is it compulsory or is it, um, you know? Uh, yes, yeah. And we get pinged um, a note on a regular basis that's level two PPE still. Level two, two PPE. Are they still making you do CPR with a cloth over a patient's face or have they changed <laughs> their guidance now? No, no. I, I've never done that, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you see the update? I don't, I don't, so, so just to let people know, we have this thing called the Resource Council, right? And they mm -hmm. give us the guidelines when we do a resuscitation, which is yeah. when you're trying to bring someone back to life. Yeah. You shockingly give them drugs and you do CPR. However, during COVID, 
they changed their guidance and to minimize what they call aerosol generating procedures or stuff yes. that's going to make people produce vapor because that's what they mm-hmm. you know was saying was if you're pushing on someone's chest they're creating a vapor so therefore there'd be covid flying about i mean i've never heard such rubbish so we had to put um you'd have to put a cloth or a towel over the patient's face while you were doing cpr right mm-hmm. to uh to mitigate the risk of everyone else getting um covid and i just mm-hmm. uh, i remember i just think to myself the person who wrote that i mean what was he thinking do you think i think he was watching tom and jerry you know what i mean and and if you do cpr fast enough you can make mm-hmm. the blanket raise up above i mean i i don't mean to take the mickey out of it but but this is yeah. what it was like this is how ridiculous the patient's mm-hmm. already dying you don't want to do anything to to, to increase their you know chances of dying but i'll stick a cloth mm-hmm. over their face i mean mm-hmm. we've done have you done CPR before when every time you press on the chest, vomit comes out the mouth? Mm. Yeah. So imagine you've done that. So it's all going in the face. It's all coming back in there. You're not going to know because you're not looking at the black. So you're asking. Anyway, sorry, I digress. No, no. We, we were given Tyvek suits, which were these white sort of flimsy kind of. Alternate suits. Sorry. <laughs> the alternate suits from the rave days. <laughs> This guy was trying one on in the office the one day and his foot just went straight through it, you know, and we we're trying to sort of work in this outfit. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose they did what they thought was the right thing at the time, but it just seemed so bizarre, some things that were going on. I mean, I've always thought part of the healthcare crew, you know, all, all of it is to try and, like, reduce panic as well. Yeah. So I would have thought if you if we weren't so we should have sort of set led by example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, if they, because I remember being in the ambulance service and then I had that hood put over the top that's supposed to protect you from chemical uh, attacks and they do the fit test they where they spray this. Yeah. Like, oh, I can't smell it. I can't smell it. That 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 yeah. is a fit. That's a hood. You, that's what you should have been wearing. Yeah. But they were sending you in with the the, the blue ones and the FFP. I was kept on saying to everybody, you know, you can get stuff for your eyes, right? You know what I mean? And you know, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, are they going to have a? And they had glasses that steamed up. And you just think, you know, I would have rather been, I would have rather signed a disclaimer saying, "I'll accept the risks, thanks." All right, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, and that that's like you say, it was like all the decisions, all the ability to make decisions that we were used to doing as paramedics because we we're on our own in a patient's house and you have to make mm-hmm. decisions in like 50 decisions in, in quick succession, access, egress, drugs, you know, backup needed, whatever, you, you know, uh, and they just took away all our decision-making skills. Yeah. And we're like, right, now you've got to do this. And you're like, well, hang on a minute. And it was at a time as well where people were in fear. You know, the staff mm-hmm. were feeling fearful for their own lives, taking things home to their family. So I suppose they were easily pliable at the time. Yeah. But then that's their... What I found then is I was like, right, I, I'm going to go and try and learn about this so that I can yeah. educate myself to then, so then I'm not going to be, you know, yourself, right? You know, when you used to hear stuff and people using drugs for certain things, I heard a guy using, um, oh God, uh, TXA, transamic acid, yeah, for trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He used it, he used it for a triple A, right? And mm-hmm. for, which is a, a burst sort of, you've got your uh, aorta in, in your stomach. It's the main thing that goes into your leg that can burst and balloon. And then you can die and bleed out. And he said he used it for that and titrated it. I, I can't remember whether the guy died or not, but I can't remember whether he got in trouble or not. But his logic was like, well, it stops bleeding. Right? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. 
but they, they got them. Yeah. So you're like, yeah, okay, well, I'm going to do a little bit more research on that before I start giving everybody TXA for that kind of thing. But I don't think he got into trouble because there was, there was some research out there to suggest that what he'd done had some sort of validity to it and okay. he was okay. Yeah. But so I'm like, well, if you can go off piste with that drug, then you can go away and start looking at other things. And if someone's telling you something usually so badly that you're like, all right, mate, I'm going to go and check it myself. You know, it didn't take much research from my perspective to be like, hang on a minute. One, it's it's a, it's a strain of flu. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, so this will, this will affect people in ev- many different ways. There will be people that will be naturally immune to it as well. Yeah. They are. So, so you know, but then you also got to try to play in devil's advocate here. You think, well, how do you control a pandemic in a yeah. country? Um, but, you know, we could sit here all day but then you know people make excuses for them their only job is to look after us right pretty much you know we give them all the money we've given them all the decisions the decision making skills which we need to sort of rectify that because we've given them a bit too much um you know control over things this is literally their job my you know in their risk register pandemic viral pandemic has been on it since something like 2008 so it's not a new thing mm. um oh sorry it's supposed to be you ranting alice all right, right. <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Um, yeah. all right, so, no, back, uh, back to what you were saying, though. At the yeah. time, there was no kind of focus on natural immunity, which I found very strange. Mm-hmm. So, whether you'd had COVID or not, you still had to have the vaccine um, to be safe. And then it went from being safe and effective with a really high percentage, percentage rate to just going down and down and down and down. You know, when it was first sold to the public, it was have this vaccine. It will stop you getting it. It will stop your family from getting it. And now we learn that Pfizer's vaccine wasn't even tested on transmission. Yep. Because they were moving at the speed of science, Holmes, whatever that is. <laughs> but that that should be that. And this is the thing that annoys me is if, if, if that information has still come out and people are still like, so? And you're like. Yeah, but do you not remember the guilt and the gaslighting that you're exposed to? I, I think some of us have got PTSD in some way, oh, shape, I think or the form. whole world is traumatised from what's happened. But yeah. we've got this kind of, like, resilience, haven't we, in the UK especially, and we're kind of like, we'll soldier on and we'll get yeah. through this. But it's had a huge effect on society, more than people mm. would like to admit, I would say. Yeah, well, they want to forget because people were horrible to each other. Yeah. And now that, they're, now that it's coming out, that they probably shouldn't have been as horrible to those people. Um, mm. No one wants to, you know, all the discrimination and the way people were. And, you know, you, you, you managers can't turn around and say, oh, I was just following orders. It was the government. It's nothing personal. It's like, yes, it was. Because as a gu- as a manager, you could turn around and say, it's guidance. We don't have to adhere to it. And, you know, mm-hmm. we don't have to follow it. But I can see where they're coming from because – they're in the, the same position as the road staff were. They've still got roofs to put over their families' heads, food on the table. It probably would have meant the end of their career, wouldn't it? And they put it first, you know. I'm not saying that I would have done the same thing, but that was their choice at the time. Yeah. I understand it. I don't agree with it. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the difference. And and I think that's what what we need to be better at is 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 understanding it because Yeah. We've got to talk what, about this. It doesn't matter now whether people have had the vaccine or not, what they believed in at the time when we were all under pressure. But what's important now is that we talk about what happened. 
yeah. and still don't block out that group of people that had a different view at the time. I'm not wanting any kind of like apology or anything else, but to completely deny that all that stuff happened, I don't think that's the best way to, to analyse and, and plan for anything that could happen in the future, really. No, no. And again, apologies. I've banged on about this pretty much every week now for the last few weeks. We can't fix a problem if we don't admit there was a problem in the first place. And yeah. until we can all collectively as a, as, a, as a world unite that, okay, yeah, there was a problem. We can't fix mm -hmm. it. You know, and all this stuff, all the distractions that were happening now with the Matt Hancock messages that are coming out. I am keep thinking, what are they trying to distract me from? What are they doing that they don't want me to know about um, with distracting well, we, we know, don't we, who controls the media? I mean, there's a people think that it's just funded by the license payers, but it's not. You know, there's private investors in the media. And why? Why does Bill Gates contribute to the BBC? What's What's his interest with that? And these are the questions that we need to really ask ourselves and not just shut people down and say, you're a conspiracy theorist. Because yeah. when that term was developed by the CIA after um, John F. K. Was, was shot because of the people that said, oh, I'm not sure about this. What actually happened? Was it really Lee Harvey Oswald? Or is there something more to it? And it's just to discredit anybody that has a different view to mainstream media Yet people are still using that term, and it's so 2020 out of date, without yeah. even knowing what that's all about and thinking, okay, maybe mm. the media are steering us towards a certain train of thought here. Mm. Yeah. I think it's – I just want to encourage people just – I mean, I didn't – I was never, like, asleep and I was never awake. I used to ask questions, and I used to have the the – I still do now – you know, I'm not intimidated to ask questions, but I wasn't asking the right questions. I didn't really know what I was supposed to do until the mandate came along and all that sort of stuff happened. And then it just felt a bit like, a bit of a natural calling for me because I've always hated management. Um, and I've always <laughs> had an issue with, with people that, well, not, not hated management, but there's a certain caliber of people that go into management. Mm -hmm. And usually, usually they're all douches or they have no spines. Or, you, know, you know, I've got an open door policy. Just come in and we'll have a chat, you know, and it's like, you're full of rubbish, mate. You're full of rubbish because it's not an open door policy at all because you're sitting here, you know, and I remember my conversation with my manager and HR manager and the, the, the being sitting there and being told that the decision I was making wasn't right and I was going to have no job and then them asking me to calm down. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 no. You don't bring me into an office. Tell me this shit, right? And then tell me to calm down. You know, I've been a paramedic for 13, 14 years and you're telling me that this... Anyway, so and then and then they just bodily autonomy didn't even come into the equation at all. I mean, it's it's it's, it's the rights act, isn't it? You should not be uh, discriminated against nor penalised for refusing any kind of medical. Prevention. We're not going to force any of our patients to have any medicine they don't want. And that was the funny thing, and this is what people don't appreciate: those of us that were speaking out had all this stuff going on in the back office where we were going to lose our job, and mm. we were horrendously discriminated against, bullied in some capacities, but we still went out to see those patients and we still didn't discriminate. We still respected their wishes with consent and everything else. So that's mm -hmm. why I have very little tolerance for those people that, okay, I, I accept the fact we can have difference of opinions and you, but you didn't need to be a Karen about it. You didn't need to shout at everyone about it. You didn't need to single people out, gaslight people, because if we gaslit and singled out every person who was overweight, they they wouldn't like it. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what we were doing. We were, 
you know, and people might agree with this or not. You choose to be overweight. All right. Mm. You know, because you can choose to lose weight and you can choose to keep eating. So it's the same sort of thing. I could turn around and go, well, you're choosing to be fat. So therefore you're not getting no food. You're not allowed in Mackies. You're not allowed to do this. The only place you're allowed to go is the gym. You know, that's massively discriminating against someone. You know what yeah. I mean? That's, you know, that's really bad. But that's essentially what they did to us because we didn't want to take a vaccine, mm. you know? And people don't appreciate just how bad it was because most of them took it. So they're like, well, just take it. It's fine. You're like, no, dude. Lots no. of people say that to me. Yeah. I, I just took it. it for an easy life. And yeah. I just think, right. My so friends actually said it. And then uh, in the same on the same day, told me that she'd restarted her periods after not having any for months and months. Yeah, I remember and that. And was one of the big side, that was one of the side effects, wasn't it? Right at the start, I remember there was like a paper that came out said there was something like 42,000 women had experienced some sort of menstrual irregularity um, mm. since since taking the jab. And and, and mm. then they've got the obs and gyne in the midwifery going, it's fine to take while you're pregnant. Did you it test wasn't it? Wasn't even tested on pregnant, was it? Exactly. There were people that got pregnant during the test, but who in their right mind is going to be like, yo, I'm pregnant, come and hook me up with an experimental jab. No, no mum's going to do that. I mean, mm. I remember, I'm, I'm sure you've got children as well. I remember trying, when my wife was pregnant, trying to get a cough medicine. She couldn't have nothing. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Because nothing, nothing's been yeah. tested on pregnant women because most of the pregnant women won't want to volunteer their fetus to be tested on or themselves. So most mm -hmm. manufacturers just go, it's just not suitable for pregnant women. And they don't, they don't, you know, so and a you lot know, of, uh, there's a lot more products that have been taken out of the market for a lot less damage than this one's done. Fuck's sake. She couldn't have eggs or something at one point, And then it changed yeah. while she was pregnant. She could have hard boiled, then soft boiled, uh, you know, mm. no honey, no this. And you're like, what? Yeah. Well, and the cough medicine's going out of the system now because of risk. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, you're just like it's it's sugar water, and it doesn't hardly ever work. It can, you know, but it's I, I just couldn't believe it. And then all of a sudden, now we're being told that it's it, and still that it's safe. Yeah, safe and effective. Safe and effective. effective, and it's neither one of them. And this is the thing. And and the problem I had, I've, I've, and I had a friend phone me the other day that I've not spoke to for ages, and he rang me out of the blue because he was like, "Right, Matt, what's going on? I'm reading the date on the website on the government." you know, website, but then I'm hearing this other stuff, you know, and, and it's like, right, well, you, you, this is the problem on the government website. The date is there. I said, but stop for a second. If it comes with a warning label, like it did, mm -hmm. that should be enough to put you off. And I've tried to say this to people when yeah. the government put the warning on the, on the vaccine, that it was myocarditis, even though it was rare. If, <laughs> you know, someone said to you, take this drug or take this flu jab, but you might get myocarditis. You'd be like, well, do you know, I'd rather get the flu. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you're, you're telling people there's a, a fault in the product after they've already taken it, which is mm -hmm. a bit of a shithouse thing to do, isn't it? <laughs> really? Mm -hmm. You know, and then and then this is the problem we've got now. We've got loads of people who've got, it's like that um, you and me thing, you know, we can send off your blood and you can get, they can tell you whether you're going to uh, potentially have cancer, diabetes or all this kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, who in their right mind wants to know that? But the facility's there if you want to try it out. Yeah. It's the same with the jab, isn't it? If those people have taken it, they might be asking the right questions. Only they're going to know whether they're feeling different than when they than before mm -hmm. they took it. Only they're going to know whether they get a bit dizzier or a bit more breathless or a little bit this or a little bit that. Mm -hmm. It's like, truth, I'm more ill than I normally used to be. Only they're going to know. Now then, if they did know that, how many of them are actually going to go and follow it up? Because if they then realize they've got this spike protein bouncing around their body going crazy and their body's mm -hmm. freaking out trying to manage it, what are you going to do with that? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think most people have been okay with it, but we know there's a 
a huge amount of vaccine injured that the government aren't recognizing. Yeah. And those people deserve to be recognized and spoken to and helped. Yeah, they do. I mean, I never heard of Bud Chiari, right? Mm-hmm. Until I had um, a guest come on, one of my first guests. I found out this morning she's passed away a few weeks ago. But she had Bud Chiari, which is a, a problem with clotting in the liver. Mm-hmm. Rare as rocking or shit three years ago. Obviously, mm-hmm. now it's not. But they've not put two and two together here and seeing what, what the increase. But mm-hmm. there literally was literally less than 10 people, I think, in, in the world that had it at the time. It was really extremely rare. Mm-hmm. And now it's, it's gone up tenfold. But then that developed into liver cancer. And, and then obviously she's, she's passed away from that. But I had her on the show. Um, and she was saying like, she wasn't recognized because it was, they YouTube banned her video because she hadn't been officially diagnosed as vaccine injured. YouTube removed my video because it was misinformation. Even though I've had Alex, um, Alex Mitchell, John Watt, who have been officially diagnosed as vaccine, they've not taken theirs off because she hadn't been, they took the video down as, as misinformation. If you know what I mean? Censorship at its worst. And she had so many little things wrong with her that, that they could justify it being other stuff, but they're all mm. happening at the same time. And I could see see the pain in her eyes. And I always try and speak to my guests afterwards just to check in how they're doing and all that because mm-hmm. obviously she wasn't getting better. Um, and it was just horrendous, you know what I mean? And obviously getting the email this morning, I read the first two lines, I already knew what it was going to say. Yeah. So it was just a bit sad. And, and I think when that starts to happen, sorry, don't worry about it. It's live, folks. <laughs> But when that sort of stuff starts to happen, it really starts to hit home. And and now I'm speaking yeah. to people that I'm like, you must know someone that's probably been injured from the job. Well, everybody does. That's the thing. Yeah. And I know that I would say nearly everybody that's out there on the road has spoken to someone that said I have a, I've had a, a reaction to the vaccine because mm. I know that I've spoken to many people out there. Yeah. I want to get down more to the nitty gritty of, the paramedic frontline stuff, because otherwise we can sit here for hours talking mm. about this sort of stuff, which is it's great and it's refreshing because um, it's always nice to know that there are other people out there. But when did you start noticing out on the road uh, that something weren't quite right? And what was it that was kind of triggering it for you to be a bit like, hang on a minute, something came right? Um, with regards to... What do you mean, sort of... Uh, okay, yeah, because, uh, yeah, sorry, I need to explain it a bit. I mean, everyone has a eureka moment when they're thinking, right, but when you were going out on the... Okay, let me explain that better, sorry. What mm-hmm. confirmed it for you when you were out on the road that something weren't quite right when you were seeing patients? Was there something that was popping up more regular or, you know, because you, you go out with your suspicions, uh, were they being answered, if you know what I mean? Um, well, it was kind of like a gradual sort of thing, like a drip-fed sort of thing. I mean, I knew something wasn't right from the start, but then there was just... Um, um more people really that were becoming unwell i mean there's some of these conditions these neurological sort of like rare conditions i've had to google with people out on the road that i just thought where's that come from you know not heard of that before Mm. it's kind of like um there's an increase in that um i don't i wouldn't say that i've had like a, a eureka moment I knew something was up from the start and I've just kind of soldiered on but seen things progressively get worse yeah yeah you kind of have suspicions don't you and then you you mentally note these things that kind of reinforce 
But you don't want to believe it. There's always a part of you. And I've always said, I hope I'm wrong. For the sake of everything, I hope I'll I'll gladly wear that hat to say I was wrong. Yeah. It wouldn't bother me. I'm not not bothered what people think Mm. of me. Um, But, yeah, just I I didn't want to believe it, to be honest with you. And even now when things happen, I've still got that element, oh, you know. And it's easy to kind of like put everybody in the category of being vaccine injured that's got a problem that's an acute one or a neurological one or a blood clot-related one or heart-related one. So you've got to be careful and try and stay... um, you know, I mean, there's so much stuff in alternative media. There's so much stuff in mainstream. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. So you've got to remain balanced, haven't you, really? Yeah, you have. Critically think. that that, But then that's what we're supposed to do as, as clinicians. You know, autonomous clinicians, we're supposed to critically think. Mm-hmm. I understand why people in the hospital, they get invested in that kind of like COVID narrative, you know. But us, yeah. this is why we're so unique as paramedics and ambulance staff. We're on the peripheries all the time. We're a master of, yeah. you know, jack of all trades, master of none. We can read an ECG enough to know whether we need to do shit to stop you dying, you know, yeah. but, um, you know, turning it this way for bundle branches and all that kind of, you know, there's always a trick, you know? Yeah. Um, and we're out and about yeah. all the time, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. You find space where there's one rule and you've got to yeah. stick to it all day. And yeah. Yeah. We've always been quite good at being able to sort of bend the rules. Um, so did you, have you come across many obvious vaccine injuries well i don't know because i we, we don't get to follow up the mm. patients i've been suspected to, then suspected yeah mm. i mean there's, there's people that we've been out to that have had strokes in their 60s you know mm. no previous history and not really seen that to be fair in my career what about kids so 50s and 60s yeah have you seen anything more in kids? That's not, not mm-hmm. you know any more cardiac issues. I know you said you mentioned there was cardiac stuff in the in in the youth, but you know yeah. people they, we don't usually see much cardiac stuff in the youth unless it's a pre-existing thing. Yeah, mm. I've not, not seen any um, peds to be honest with you. Um, Thankfully. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. when it first kicked off, I can remember speaking to one of the nurses and I said, "Have any children actually had COVID?" And she looked at me. Yeah, it was just bizarre, and then to think that we're putting all of the children now through this flu vaccine program with this nasal mist, and then we've got Moderna striking this deal with our government to yeah. produce two hundred and fifty million vaccines per year for the UK. There's sixty six million in the country, and that's only one of the big players from the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah, so we've really got a have a look at what's going on and decide what is in the interests of the patient, best interests of the patient and our children and, and grandchildren, and what's in the best interests of stakeholders and big pharma. And we've yeah. got to make a decision really about what we want to see happen in the future because the vaccine program is growing for kids and it looks like it's growing for us as well. Mm. Is this benefiting our health? Yeah. And we're and we're fortunate considering, you know, compared to America, because they have, I think they need to have, I think it's something like 18 jabs from various things before mm-hmm. they can go to school. And if they don't have them, they're not allowed to go to school. Yeah. And there's a place for vaccines in society. Yeah, 100%. How how many do you do you have before it's detrimental to your health or good for your health? 
and 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 certain things you got to start thinking do we need to do we still need to be taking certain vaccines considering sanitation's got better you know and things like that because things like you know other other vaccines that we take you know they're quite old school you know but do we still need to be taking them do we do we need to so personally after all of this i don't trust none of them i really don't mm. i'm not saying vaccines don't work all right i'm not saying that but the guy that come out and spoke years ago who had a paper saying that there was a link to autism got completely trashed yeah and now I think, hang on a minute. Well, look at the rising had... autism. <laughs> the and he got treated exactly like all the other doctors have been treated or any other healthcare professional that's tried to speak out, mainly doctors, because mm -hmm. they seem to want to chastise them first. Um, they've been, they, he was treated like every other doctor that spoke out about COVID. So you got to think to yourself, well, yeah. was he right then? Mm, or did he have, some, you know, did he have, some... mm. I mean, there was mm. some, you know, the great Barrington declaration. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Scientists, doctors. But that was, I mean, science is healthy debate. It's not just one side of the story. No. But people weren't even recognising that as a good way to approach a lockdown, which seemed mm. to make sense to me. Let the yeah. young people go out and live their lives and keep the vulnerable people safe. Mm. But no, everyone, and Matt Hancock said, didn't he, you've got to behave like you've just got it and that's it. You know, behave like you've got it. I mean, the stuff that's coming out with him now, I don't know if it's a distraction or not, but surely there's people that read the papers and watch the news all the time looking at that thinking, hang on, can we really trust these people? I hope so. Because if, if I mean, imagine being told all of this was a lie. I mean, we have the bit, we, we have the advantage that we've done a little bit of background research into it and you can start seeing that it is one web. And you start looking down one rabbit hole and you'll be led to another. You know, if you start looking to farming, you'll be led. But the money is always a, as, as an issue. Follow the money and follow the people that have got shares and conflicts of interest. When you start putting shareholders in charge of pharmaceutical companies, it's not mm. about health, then, is it? It's about profits. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's the problem. We need to take money out of healthcare, basically. Mm. But we've got enough money that we pay into the society uh, through taxes and everything else where we, we would be able to fund a decent health society. We wouldn't need to rely on the NHS so much if we gave people better knowledge at school. You know, on eating. I mean, simple lifestyle changes mm. like good sleep, good food, mm. movements, what we're actually putting in our bodies mentally. I mean, mm. kids are growing up with these devices just glued to their hands, mm. looking at Instagram, seeing false lives, thinking they're not matching up to everybody else's lives. It's not a healthy society. Mm. And there's something called integrative medicine, which is just sort of like fell by the wayside. Yeah. But, you know, this is a big place for that with healthcare. Mm, healthcare is mm. not about just putting a plaster over something. We need to be getting to the root cause first. For chronic conditions, acute conditions, medicine and surgery, great, yeah. But for the yeah. chronic stuff, hang on, have we tried this first? Or do you just want to keep eating burgers and take a statin instead? And then you've got relative versus absolute risk benefit yeah. analysis, which people don't understand. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. I mean, people oh, okay, right. Yeah. One last question, and then I'll get you to write, because mm -hmm. we've, we've done nearly an hour already. Told you to go quick, didn't I? Told you, told you, told you. Um, one question that I want to ask. Um, mm. So the increased wait times, mm. all right? So there's been lots of stuff in the press about ambulances, you know, delayed and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Is that genuinely happen happening at the moment? Are there, and, and if so, do you, do you know why? 
are people becoming more sick so the beds are being blocked or is it a lack of carers or all of the above or i think it's a mixture of things isn't it mm. yeah i mean there's there's a huge amount of beds that have been taken out of the nhs system over the last 10 years why have they been taken out and we yeah. know that the, the nhs is going digital so is this i don't know part of something but some days we'll go in and we'll pick up one patient, we'll queue outside the hospital. And sometimes we've even wheeled that patient onto another ambulance and then left the shift, which it's awful patient care. I mean, it's difficult for us paramedics working at the moment. We're working in a broken system. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know what the cause is, but it's like one day it's on, one day it's off. Then we can have a day where we bounce from job to job. Yeah, like the old days. Walk in the hospital and you'll say, well, "What what's happened?" And nobody seems to know. I don't know what's going on there, to be honest with you, Matt. And it's a diff and you'd think people would start asking the question. We've got excess deaths. We've got increased wait mm -hmm. time for aiming. Why have we got that? Are more people being sick? If they are, why have we got excess deaths and more people being sick? What's going on? Because yeah. they've even said themselves it's from non-covid and, and it infuriates me because it's like you don't need to be a mensa genius to just no, ask they, questions these like questions that oh, need to mate. be answered <laughs> people are getting it's like, oh no, no don't, don't talk about that <laughs> i just i don't know when we became like i think personally and i've said this to the wife quite a few times it's like a stack of cards and if one falls the whole mm. thing will collapse and they're trying desperately and it's coming from the top down, I think, because I've got friends who work in A&E and they're quite not high up, but they, they're at the top end of, of in A&E department. Mm. And they will tell you from the sort of slight above them to the top, they have no idea what's going on in the hospital. Right. So, excuse me then. <laughs> yeah. And that, so, so, so we wouldn't know if stuff's coming down from the top because we just get told to do stuff. But I know my friend who worked in A&E, he took one jab, I think, but he said, it was NHS harassment. They were literally following following him around the A&E while he was trying to, with a clipboard, saying, you need to take it, you need to take it. Because he's BAME as well. Um, yeah. He's got Indian heritage. They were like, you're high risk because of this and high risk of that. Yeah. And he's like, I've literally been... Yeah. yeah, and then he, he had the flu jab once and he got sepsis from it. So he was a bit twitchy about it. But he yeah. said they were hounding him and hounding him and hounding him and hounding him. And in the end, you just like, just, just, just do, if you're going to get away, get away from me. But the fact, so you, people don't appreciate that. Even when you're trying to work, do your job. You've mm -hmm. got decision fatigue. You've got these guys harassing you. He said he'd, he'd get into his work in the morning. He'd have three text messages. He'd go into his emails. He'd have emails. Mm -hmm. Then they'd find him on the shop floor. It's like, why do you care that I've only had one? You know, everyone around me has had mm -hmm. all of them. You know what I mean? Whatever. What, and it was that kind of like, it was that military precision of targeting mm -hmm. those that didn't want to take it. Mm -hmm. Have you taken it? No. Nice. <laughs> I don't normally ask, but I just like to just let people know that I, because I do think that people thought that we were all in on it. Uh, mm. And I've been accused of working for the enemy because I work in the NHS. And it's like, bro, you know, you needed people like us because there were people, albeit a small amount, there were still people trying to shout about what was going on. Um, yeah. But you're swimming against a tsunami, aren't you? Oh, it's difficult. And I mean, you do kind of like you bring judgment to yourself by putting your head above the parapet but I felt I had to do it I felt like I had to voice my opinions and tell people what I'd found out and knew um it didn't go down well sometimes um I'm speaking to a few people now though and they're thinking hmm, what has gone on over the last couple of years and you know their second sort of 
well, they're wondering whether they should have had it or not, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and that's good. And what we need to be doing is when they do start peering into the sun, sunlight, we don't yeah. need to be going, ah, we told you so. You know, it's we need to be like, anywhere, is it? Come, yeah. come on out. Yeah, yeah. Them. We need to support each other. Yeah, you know? we do. Yeah. To get through this again, because obviously we, you know, we, we know what's going to happen now if they try and do another pandemic. So we don't know whether it's going to work now because I think we're quite yeah. desensitized. They've tried aliens. They've tried derailing trains. They've tried loads of stuff. And we're just like, yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. You know, and they've created us now to be so desensitized that even if they wanted to push mm -hmm. a narrative now, we're like, nah. Yeah, we deserve a better psyop, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. We do. It's like, come on. You know what I mean? It's like everyone knew. But this is the other thing as well. Everyone said at the beginning, when we know we're winning, they'll start pulling the alien card, right? <laughs> and we're pulling the alien card. And, and like you said yeah, earlier I mean, about the conspiracy like theory. It's a sci-fi movie these days, isn't it, when you put the news on? It's ridiculous. It really is. I don't know how many unidentified Chinese flying balloons need to fly over America before they blow it up. You know what I mean? It's just like they'll blow anything else up that twitches so much as, as it looks like a terrorist. But, you know, Chinese balloon, it's fine. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. You know, spend three days over New York. You know, it's fine. <laughs> we just all seem to have gone like all topsy-turvy. And you're sitting here watching it going, am I the only one seeing this? But what they've done mm -hmm. is everyone's so like here, aren't yeah. they? Got to pay for me out. Some people wake up in the morning, they put the news on in the morning, lunchtime, tea time, and they'll watch the news at 10. So they've got this constant, continuous stuff. But I try and speak to people when I'm teaching the yoga and say, look, the BBC News, it's just a series of bad stories that have happened and a series of bad stories that might happen in the future. Mm, mm. And they'll go into the here and now stuff and just try and get people away from that box. It's mm. not healthy. Mm. It's hard though, you know. It's like they've they've picked um they've picked their side, haven't they? Mm. Oh, right. Okay. Mm. Any final words then from yourself? Any final words and advice, or just final words you like to say to people? Um, just really that 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 we're here to support you. If you want to sort of um, talk about what happened, not necessarily voice opinions, but if you just want to chat about what happened. Um, if you want to talk about um, the future of the NHS, where you feel like it's heading and what we feel we should do as far as patient care goes. Um, and to just think for ourselves a little bit more, we've all got a duty, a personal responsibility for our patients, but for our kids and our grandkids, you know, we're going through this change at the moment, this fourth industrial revolution. And, and People are not aware of this and there is a shift in society, but we've got to make sure that we know what's going on when it happens as much as, as we can do rather than just wait to be told what to do next. Yeah. And on that note then, people, we'll call it a day. Nice cheeky one today. Uh, the reason I'm cutting it short is because if I don't, me and Alice will probably sit here and rant and chat <laughs> for ages. I was gone so quick. Yeah, well, there we go. There we go. Yeah. And it's, it's difficult because there's always so many questions I want to ask people, but because you, you can't ask, you know, always the right questions. A lot but of I try not to... Yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah. I think it's, it's more, I try and get, um, I want people just to come on and tell me their real stories, really, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's hard to get that in an hour, to be mm. honest. But it's, it's good. But listen, stick around. Don't disappear when I hit stop, all right? And okay. um, we'll have a chat. But thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for your continued support. Strength and courage, ask questions, see you on the flip side, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye now.